0: Loving Father in heaven, glory be unto your name, dear Lord, for how you have shown love towards us and we thank you for your mercy and we thank you for your goodness and your grace. Glory be unto your name, dear Father, as we fellowship with you in this devotion, we pray that you would grant to us the gift of your Holy Spirit and that you would edify and bless us. May your words be as manna from above to strengthen us to become more and more like our lord and savior jesus christ we have defects in our characters that needs to be dealt with and we pray that the words we'll hear shall help us with that grant to us of your spirit put your words in my mouth that i may speak blessings to your children in jesus name i've prayed amen and courage October 23 rich man and God if the wicked restore the pledge give again that he had robbed walk in the statutes of life without committing iniquity he shall surely live he shall not die Ezekiel chapter 33 verse 15 No sooner did Zacchaeus yield to the influence of the Holy Spirit than he cast aside every practice contrary to integrity. No repentance is genuine that does not work reformation. The righteousness of Christ is not a cloak to cover unconfessed and unforsaken sin. Every converted soul will, like Zacchaeus, signalize the entrance of Christ into his heart by an abandonment of the unrighteous practices that have marked his life. Like the chief publican, he will give proof of his sincerity by making restitution. If we have injured others through any unjust business transaction, we should confess our wrong and make restitution as far as lies in our power. It is right for us to restore not only that which we have taken, but all that it would have accumulated if put to a right and wise use during the time it has been in our possession. To Zacchaeus, the Savior said, This day is salvation come to this house. Not only was Zacchaeus himself blessed, but all his household with him. They had been shut out from the synagogues by the contempt of rabbis and worshippers, but now, the most favored household in all jericho they gathered in their own home about the divine teacher and heard for themselves the words of life it is when christ is received as a personal savior that salvation comes to the soul zacchaeus had received jesus not merely as a passing guest in his home but as one to abide in the soul temple amen The title of our devotion for today is Rich Man and God and you can just see it as a second part of the devotion for yesterday. We will continue to look at how the rich man can make it into the kingdom of God. Reading from Conflict and Courage, page 302, paragraph 7, it says, When rich young ruler had turned away from Jesus, the disciples marveled at their master, saying, How hard is it for them that trust in riches? to enter into the kingdom of God. They had ex- exclaimed one to another, who then can be saved? Now they had a demonstration of the truth of Christ's words, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. They saw how, through the grace of God, a rich man could enter into the kingdom." End of quote. So, how is the rich man to be saved? We started looking at that yesterday and we saw a few things of how the rich man is to be saved. By casting off every practice contrary to righteousness, that's how. The truth is that any, many who are rich have gotten their wealth, not all now, many, have gotten their wealth through means which though are legal in the eyes of men, but yet abominable in the sight of God. It is because of this that the gates of heaven will be closed to many rich people they have not loved their neighbor as themselves so we will talk about what these legal but abominable practices are very soon so how can the rich man pass through the eye of a needle It is in the same way that Zacchaeus passed through the eye of the needle, he made restitution and changed his ways. We read that yesterday in Conflict and Courage and today in our devotion we also saw the same thing. We read in page 302, paragraph 2 downward that no sooner did Zacchaeus yield to the influence of the spirit than he cast aside every practice contrary to integrity. And we are told that no repentance is genuine that does not work reformation. Simply put, he had to make res- a restitution. We saw that in the key text for our devotion today in Ezekiel 33 verse 15. We are told how the wicked can make it that in the sense of the rich man. We are told if the wicked restore the pledge, that is give back what you stole give again that he had robbed, walk in the statutes of life, without committing iniquity, he shall surely live, he shall not die. And then we were also told in paragraph 4 that if we have injured others through any unjust business transaction, we should confess our wrong and make restitution as far as lies in our power. It is right for us to restore not only that which we have taken, but all that it would have accumulated if put to a right and wise use during the time it has been in our possession, end of quote. We have already looked at that in yesterday's devotion and I'm just reminding us, The Faith I Live By, page 132, paragraph 2, says, No repentance is genuine. That does not work reformation. So, if the rich man must pass through the eye of the needle, two things must be done. If he has made his money unjustly, he should restore that which he has robbed and also that which it accumulated. The rich man is to abandon all dishonest, covetous, and abominable practices that he does if he must pass through the eye of the needle, and he must understand next now the use of wealth. He must know why God gave him wealth. So why has God given us wealth? Whether rich or poor, Deuteronomy 8 verse 10 says, When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he had given thee. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes which I command thee this day lest when thou hast eaten and art full and built goodly houses and dwelt therein verse 17 and 18 now says and thou say in thine heart my power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth but thou shalt remember listen now for the use of wealth listen thou shalt remember the lord thy god for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant which he sware unto thy fathers as it is this day. Amen. So, wealth that is made in the right way, what is it given to us for? To establish his covenant. Whose covenant? The covenant of the Lord. What is the covenant? The covenant God made is that one he made with Adam. When Adam sinned and he told Adam and Eve, that he was going to ensure that enmity will be put between us and the devil that he wants to restore his image in us the covenant is as is seen in the book of jeremiah chapter 31 reading from verse 33 that god wants to put in us his own spirit he wants to write his law he said this is the covenant i will make with them in those days i will put my law in their minds and write them on their hearts and they shall be my my people and i will be their god that is the covenant the restoration of the image of god in us that is what god gave us wealth for to use it for the purpose of restoring the image of God in ourselves and in the lives of others. So the rich man, if he wants to pass through the eye of the needle and make it to the kingdom of God, I want to say again, he must abandon all unjust ways of making money. Secondly, restore that which he had robbed, the money that he has made through the wrong means, he must restore it. Do Do you see why Jesus said this is difficult? How many people will want to do this? But Zacchaeus did it. This is the way the rich man will make it. He has to restore the money that he stole and then the interest on that money he should restore it to. Then finally, the one that he made the right way, he should realize that that money is to be used for the work of God and for restoring the image of God in himself and in others. What does that mean? Does that mean he won't spend money on himself? No. How is the image of God restored in us? We've said this. I've said this several times use it doesn't mean you start living a life that is um substandard no if god has given you wealth use it to secure the best possible place that you can live an atmosphere that is in that is protected a pure moral atmosphere you know we need to live around nature and it's not everybody who can afford that if you can do it not just for yourself for others also open the door of your house for others to come and let it be that you can afford if you can a place that is remote somewhere that you know is a pure moral atmosphere away from the din and noise of the cities money is needed for that do it if you have the money secondly the right kind of food many times people feel like they cannot afford to eat right when you have the money do it then you are helping yourself then Purchase the books that will be used to study the Word of God, the Spirit of Prophecy, the Bible. Do works of evangelism. There are many things that money is needed for. Satellite evangelism, radio evangelism, going to do rural evangelism, city evangelisms, producing books and distributing, tracks and distributing, sponsoring digital evangelism, tele evangelism. Money is needed for this. Are you rich? You can use it for that purpose and also for yourself this is the way the rich man makes it to the kingdom of god no other way look if there was another way you wouldn't hear jesus say that it is as difficult for a camel and by the way what is a camel a camel is referring to that rope that is used for tents if you know what a, how tents are made those tents where you use a very large rope to peg them into the ground that rope that you use that's what the camel is can that group pass into the eye of the needle not except you break it down into little little strands and even one strand many times cannot even pass through the eye of the needle that one strand needs to be broken down that's how the rich man needs to be broken down and disperse his wealth and use it for the glory of god That's how he will enter into the kingdom of God. If he says, I have for God, forgive me my sins and refuses to restore the pledge, refuses to make restitution and refuses to use the wealth he has for the glory of God to sponsor both himself and others and evangelisms he is not doing what he's supposed to do and that's even later on the harder part of it which we can still do by the grace of god it is possible just as Zacchaeus did it is what Zacchaeus said that those whom he has stolen from he's going to restore to them fourfold that is how the rich man has to make it to the kingdom of god and then secondly he said even though he didn't steal he's going to give to the poor this is how the rich man makes it but I want us to still go further to understand other things. What would have happened to Zacchaeus if he didn't use his wealth to establish the covenant as we just read? Many things would have happened, but suffice to say, The kingdom of God will be far from him, and he will not have seen it, nor had eternal life. But more than that, his life on this earth would have been a curse to himself. His wealth would have been a witness against him and would have been his ruin. James 5 reading from verse 1 to 3 says, Go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered, and the rust of them shall be a witness against you, and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. You have heaped treasure together for the last days. To explain this passage, reading from Testimonies, Volume 1, page 174, paragraph 4, it says, I saw that these fearful words apply particularly to the wealthy who profess to believe the present truth. Not just any kind of wealthy person wealthy Christians who say we know we have the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Continuing it says the Lord calls them to use their means, their money to advance his cause. Opportunities are presented to them but they shut their eyes to the wants of the cause and cling fast to their earthly treasure. Their love for the world is greater than their love for the truth. Their love for their fellow men or their love for God. He calls for their substance, but they selfishly, covetously retain what they have. They give a little now and then to ease their conscience, but have not overcome their love for this world. They do not sacrifice for God. The Lord has raised up others that prize eternal life. And that, can f- and that can feel and realize something of the value of the soul and they have freely bestowed their means to advance the cause of god i'll pause here let me say something the first class of people is like that rich young ruler remember that this rich young ruler said concerning the commandments of god all this have i kept from my youth up i'm not a thief i'm not a, i'm not an armed robber. i'm not a publican i don't commit adultery i don't steal i don't kill all of that but here it is that another man who looks apparently hopeless, Zacchaeus, he will be in the kingdom of God and the other man who looks apparently righteous as though there was no sin in his life, he is the one who will not make it to the kingdom of God. Let us judge things well. Zacchaeus may be around you and he looks like he's a thief but you see that one who looks morally upright but yet cannot spend a dime to help the poor, cannot spend to advance the course of god will not be willing to lose his wealth fourfold to those whom he has stolen from he wouldn't make it into the kingdom of god but the zacchaeus will be raised like we just read now the lord has raised up others that Prize eternal life. Zacchaeus prize eternal life and he could feel and realize something of the value of the soul and he freely bestowed his means to advance the cause of God. Continue the reading, then it says, The work is closing and soon the means of those who have kept their riches, their large farms, their cattle, etc., will not be wanted. I saw the Lord turn to such in anger, in wrath, and repeat these words. Go to now, ye rich men. He has called, but you would not hear. Love of this world has drowned his voice. Now he has no use for you and lets you go, bidding you, go to now, ye rich men. Oh, I saw it was an awful thing to be thus forsaken by the Lord, a fearful thing to hold on to a perishable substance here. When he has said that if we will sell and give alms, we can lay up treasure in heaven, I was shown that as the work is closing up and the truth is going forth in mighty power, these rich men will bring their means and lay it at the feet of the servants of God, begging them to accept it. The answer from the servants of God will be, Go to now, ye rich men. Your means is not needed. You withheld it when you could do good with it in advancing the cause of God. The needy have suffered. They have not been blessed by your means. God will not accept your riches now. Go to now, ye rich men. End of quote. Amen. Such solemn, sober words. Are you a rich man listening? Yes, you are every one of us has one talent or the other but then i know that what we are talking about is referring to those who are wealthy with money who have the influence of money and primarily that's what it's referring to secondarily we have the influence of riches your talents your skills they are all wealth your health and your energy it is wealth also remember health is wealth and all of these too God can say to you, go to now when he's calling you to use them for the Lord and you won't use your skills for the Lord. But primarily, those who are rich, the Lord is speaking to you. A time will come when he will say, I don't need your money anymore. Go to now, you rich men. Now, let us talk about what we spoke of yesterday but in more detail the legal but but also fraudulent and abominable means of making money that the lord is against and which also the rich man must forsake if he would see eternal life reading testimonies volume 1 page 175 paragraph 2 this is these are things addressed to people who were doing these things and it may apply to you so listen it says then i was directed to these words behold the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields which is of you kept back by fraud it, and the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the lord of sabbath i saw that god is not in all the riches that are obtained satan often has much more to do with acquiring property than god much of it is obtained by oppressing the hireling in his wages the naturally covetous rich man obtains his riches by grinding down the hireling and taking advantage of individuals wherever he can, thereby adding to a treasure that will eat his flesh as it will fire. A strictly honest, honorable course has not been taken by some. Such must take a very different course and work fast to redeem the time. Many Sabbath keepers are at fault here. So listen, it says, Advantage is taken of even their poor brethren. And those who have an abundance exact more than the real worth of things, more than they would pay for the same things, while these same brethren are embarrassed and distressed for want of means. God knows all these things. Every selfish act, every covetous extortion will bring its reward. I saw that it is cruel and unjust to have no consideration for a brother's situation. If he is distressed or poor, yet doing the best he can, allowance should be made for him, and even the full value of things he may purchase of the wealthy should not be exacted. They should have bowels of compassion for him. God will approve of such kindly acts, and the doer will not lose his reward. But a fearful account stands against many Sabbath keepers for close covetous acts. End of quote. So here we see that it is a sin to take advantage of the poor and pay them lower than is actually required because of their circumstance. This thing, though legal, is a sin in the eyes of God. This is a practice that must be forsaken by us if we must enter the eye of the needle into eternal life. But then it has its consequences. Another thing we saw here is that even the rich, when you are selling your things, sometimes they sell higher than it is necessary to sell. And secondly, they don't make consideration for the brother, for the poor. Another thing we saw there is that the rich grinds down on the poor. They hold back the wages. Look. God is not in support of that. We are told in the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verse 28, or I'll start from 27, it says, Withhold not good from them to whom it is due, when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. Say not unto thy neighbor, Go and come again, and tomorrow I will give thee when thou hast it by thee. What does God What is God trying to say here? don't take back anybody's wages don't hold it till the next morning that's what the lord says when it is due to pay pay the person's wages and then worst of all is what we talked about yesterday when some people withhold it so that they can accumulate on a fixed deposit in their accounts and then they take the interest and then pay the person late it is a sin and the lord records it like we read now god is seeing it god sees all such practices he knows all these things and every selfish act, every covetous extortion will bring its reward and oh, what a reward it will be, eternal damnation, that's what it will be, but then, even in this present life, there are consequences to to these acts, when we are being covetous like this, the Lord can do things to punish us, reading from 2nd Testimonies, page 156, paragraph 2, it says. You may raise the inquiry. Wherefore have we fasted, and thou seest not? Wherefore have we afflicted our soul, and thou takest no knowledge? God has given reasons why your prayers are not answered. You have thought that you had found reasons in others and had charged the fault upon them. That means you are saying, No, my village brother, my village sister, or this person is the person that's making me not to progress. No, it says, But I saw that there are sufficient reasons in yourself. You have a work to do to set your own heart in order. You should realize that the work must begin with yourself. You have oppressed the destitute and have benefited yourself by taking advantage of their necessities. In regard to means, You have been closed and dealt unjustly. You have not possessed the kind, noble, and generous spirit which should ever characterize the life of a follower of Christ. You have oppressed the hireling in her wages. You saw a poorly clad, hard-working person who you knew was conscientious and God-fearing, yet you took advantage of her because you could do so. I saw that the neglect of seeing and understanding her wants and the small wages paid her, are all written in heaven as done to Jesus in the person of one of his saints. As you have done this unto the least of Christ's disciples, you have done it unto him. Heaven has regarded all your closeness to those who have served in your house and it will stand faithfully chronicled against you unless it is repented of and restitution made. One wrong move does not, does more harm than can be undone in years. If the wrongdoer could see the extent of the evil, it will wring from his soul cries of anguish. You are selfish in regard to means. That's what was said here. So, end of quote. Another, another act is the sin of overreaching and closeness in deal like we have just read now. The, the consequence of it. Is that god may not hear your prayers that which you are doing to others god will make it to happen to you you may be praying and fasting and you say why have i fasted and nothing is happening and the lord will say it is in you you don't find a problem in others you have been closing deal you have taken advantage of a brother but you are doing it to jesus the poor something that that was another thing we read earlier when you know that you cannot collect this amount of money for the particular work somebody has done for you why are you paying somebody else that amount what do I mean here? When you want to pay somebody for a work they've done for you, remember the golden rule. Do unto others that which you want them to do to you. The Lord sees all these things and he records them. Another act, like I was saying, is overreaching and closeness in We can call that penuriousness. I'll read now from Testimonies, volume 2, page 158, paragraph 2. It says, I was shown, brother and sister L. The love of the world has so eaten out true godliness and benumbed the powers of the mind that the truth fails to have a transforming influence upon the life and character. Brother and sister, you have a work to do to get from beneath the rubbish of the world. You need to make earnest efforts to overcome your love of the world, your selfishness and penuriousness. These are sins which are cursing God's people. I was pointed back to the community in which you lived previous to your moving to another place. You were close and exacting in deal there, taking advantage every time that you could well do so. I tried to find in your lives acts of noble sacrifice and benevolence but could not. They were so rare. The truth has been reproached by your closeness and overreaching. Your light has shone before others in such a manner that they have felt disgusted with you and your faith. The truth has been reproached by your closeness and overreaching in deal. May God help you to see all and to have that hatred for this evil that he has. Let your light so shine that others by seeing your good works may be led to glorify your Father which is in heaven. God has, de- been, God has been displeased with your course, for it has been marked by self-interest. He is still displeased with it and will deal with you in judgment unless you rid yourself of this, of this spirit of littleness and seek to be sanctified through the truth. Faith without works is dead being alone faith will never save you unless it is justified by works god requires of you to be rich in good works ready to distribute willing to communicate laying up in store for yourselves a good foundation against the time to come that you may lay hold on eternal life end of quote there's something i want to say and just so that i don't forget we had read it earlier that when a brother is hard working and you see it so that money should be set aside for that brother We should be having our minds, our hearts filled with the boils of compassion. Some people want others, some who are rich, they themselves are not working so hard, they are making so much money. But when other people want to work for them, they want to drain their blood and squeeze everything out of them before they can give money to that hard working brother. Look, what are we reading now? The Lord is taking record of it because who are you doing it to? You are doing it to Jesus. That which you know you will not allow other people to do to you, you do it to others and you think you are justified. The lord takes note of it and he will visit in judgment that's what i just read now that the lord is displeased with it and will deal with you in judgment unless you rid yourself of this spirit of littleness what is the spirit of littleness being referred to here we'll look at it just now you see the result of this abominable practice is that all that is gained through penury close dealing and taking advantage of others, it will become a curse to those who have it and can be lost in a moment. God can bring sickness upon us that will cause us to lose all these things. Reading now the same book, Testimonies, Volume 2, page 159, paragraph 1, it says, I was shown that you have oppressed hirelings in their wages. You have taken advantage of circumstances and secured your help at the lowest figure. This is the littleness being referred to. Going on. This has not been pleasing to God. You should have paid your help liberally. All that they earned, God sees and knows. The searcher of hearts is acquainted with the thoughts, the intents and purposes of the heart. Every dollar that has been gained by you in this way, if retained, will be scattered through adversity and affliction. The world, the world, the world has been the order of the day with you. The salvation of the soul has become secondary. Oh, that you could see in the light of eternity just how God views these things. You would be alarmed and would not rest until you had made restitution. In your love of the world, you continue to work upon the high pressure plan. The hand of God was removed and you were left to your own weakness. Then you both tottered over the brink of the grave, yet you failed to learn the lesson in many things which God would have you learn. You retained your love for the world, your selfish love for gain, your small close dealing was not put away. You did not appreciate the sympathy, kind care and watchful tenderness of the one who had the care of you in sickness page 160 paragraph 1 says every day bears its burden of record of unfulfilled duties of, neg- duties of neglect of selfishness of deception of fraud of overreaching what an amount of evil works is accumulating for the final judgment when christ shall come his reward is with him and his work will and his work before him to render to every man according as his works have been. What a revelation, what a revelation will then be made. What confusion of faith to some, as the acts of their lives are revealed upon the pages of history. End of quote. In another case about a writing about a couple, we read the following, and I will discuss it soon, but just hear this. It says this is talking about that littleness now what does it mean that these people were involved in littleness and they would want to secure their wage their their help at the lowest figure do you know that that's a sin you know you have more money than that person on the road you see that brother even if it's anybody at all working so hard in the market in the schools people are working so hard i go to many places and you see them you go to for example the airport you see some men who are pushing pushing your load for you at, trying their best and pushing you so hard, doing so much work. You go to the market and there are people there who are carrying loads for people and then you want to start arguing with them over how much you want to pay them when you know you have enough, a lot of money and you think God doesn't take note of this? Reading Testimonies, Volume 2, page 238, paragraph 2. Hear this now. It says, In trading with the merchants, a brother and sister, I do not take a course which is pleasing to God. They will digger To get things as cheap as they possibly can and linger over a difference of a few pennies and talk in regard to it as though money was their all, their God. If they could only be brought back, unobserved, to hear the remarks that are made after they leave, they would get a clearer idea of the influence of penuriousness. Our faith is brought into disrepute and God is blasphemed by some on account of this close penny dealing. Angels turn away in disgust. Everything in heaven is noble and elevated. All seek the interest and happiness of others. No one devotes himself to looking out and caring for self. It is the chief joy of all holy beings to witness the joy and happiness of those around them. When these angels come to minister to those who shall be heirs of salvation and witness the exhibition of selfishness, of covetousness, of overreaching and benefiting self at others' disadvantage, they turn away in grief. When they see those who claim to be heirs to an immortal inheritance so penurious in dealing with those who do not profess any higher ambition than to be laying up treasures on earth, they turn away in shame, for holy truth is reproached. Wow! In no way could the Lord be better glorified and the truth more highly honored than for unbelievers. To see that the truth has wrought a great good and good work upon the lives of naturally covetous and penurious men. If it could be seen that the faith of such had an influence to mold their characters, to change them from close, selfish, overreaching, money loving men to men who love to do good who seek opportunities to use their means to bless, to bless those who need to be blessed, who visit the widow and fatherless in their affliction, and who keep themselves unspotted from the world, it will be an evidence that their religion was genuine. Such would let their light so shine that others, seeing their good works, would be led to glorify their Father which is in heaven. This fruit would be unto holiness, and they would be living representatives of Christ upon the earth. Sinners would be convicted that there is in the truth a power to which they are strangers. Those who profess to be waiting and watching for the appearing of their Lord should not disgrace their profession by bantering in deal and standing for the last penny. Such fruit does not grow upon the Christian tree. End of quote. So much for all the time that we have argued over pennies and cobble and farthings. We need to pray to God for forgiveness for these things. Then, there is a practice of making someone else feel like they ha- what they have is worth nothing and it's not worth its price, so we can get it at a cheap or below the true worth. The Lord takes record of these things. They are written and will stand against all those who practice Proverbs 20 verse 14 says it is not it is not said the buyer but when he's gone his way then he it. in another version it says the customer always complains that the price is too high but then he goes off and brags about the bargain he got the lord takes note of all these things brothers and sisters if he did not we will not find it in proverbs 20 verse 14. do you see how the lord is searching your heart coming down to your daily dealings even in the market one thing we must understand ask yourself some of us we pride ourselves and say oh i'm giving my tithe and my offering so i'm doing right is that what the lord required from you just to give your tithes and offerings the lord owns all that you have the gold and the silver all of it in this earth belongs to him some of us quiet our conscience by just saying okay i've paid my tithe i've paid my offerings nobody should disturb me is that all the lord required from you that's not enough the lord has all all you own belongs to him and if you feel that just that is enough, then you are wrong. When you go to the marketplaces, don't dicker for pennies. Don't stand there for the last cobble. You should be on the side of the one who loses and not be on the one, on the side of wanting to make another person lose. Don't go arguing with people who you know are just trying to make ends meet you see them hard working even if they're not trying to make ends meet even if they're as rich as yourself you should not be the one being a minister of god someone who claims to be a child of god if you are out there you are supposed to take your religion with you knowing very well that you are trying to open the door so that you will not give anybody an occasion so that they won't listen to the gospel message that you have Now, if you know very well that you are someone who is a minister, a child of God, I'm not saying minister in the sense of pastor, every child of God is a minister, in the sense that we are trying to give people an impression so that they can be be charmed with the religion of Christ, so that we will not misrepresent him, so that they will love Jesus. Now, tell me, when you are out there, declaring for a couple, declaring for a few dollars and pennies, what impression will be left on the mind of that person? who you are arguing with can you be of any spiritual help to him after you have argued and try to get things for the lowest price possible do you think he will open his ears or she will open her ears to listen to any gospel you want to preach i bet you she won't he won't most likely he or she won't do that now that is what you are risking when you do not put yourself on the losing end if you feel like oh i won't be on the losing end then what is the risk the risk is that you are losing this person and the person cannot be impressed with the gospel message that you have anymore and if you tell yourself yes let them not be impressed then on whose side are you are you on christ's side or are you on the side of self you are certainly on the side of self if you cannot allow yourself to be on the losing side just because of your own selfishness we need to repent of these things reading testimonies volume one page 537 paragraph one and two we are told many rich men have obtained their wealth by close deal by advantaging themselves and disadvantaging their poorer fellow men or their brethren and these very men glory in their shrewdness and keenness in bargain but the curse of god will rest upon every dollar thus obtained and upon the increase of it in their hands why As these things were shown me, I could see the force of the Savior's words. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Those who possess the ability to acquire property need to be constantly on the watch, or they will turn their acquisitiveness to bad accounts and not maintain strict honesty. Thus, many fall into temptation and overreach, receive more for a thing than it is worth, and sacrifice their generous, benevolent, noble principles of their manhood for sordid gain. Then, in contrast with these men, I was shown the industrious, honest, poor men who stand ready to help those who need help, who would rather suffer themselves to be disadvantaged by their wealthy brethren, than to manifest so close and acquisitive a spirit as they manifest men who esteem a clear conscience and right even in little things of greater value than riches they are so ready to help others so willing to do all the good in their power that they do not amass wealth their earthly possessions do not increase if there is a benevolent object to call forth means or labor, they are the first to be interested in and respond to it and frequently do far beyond their real ability and thus deny themselves some needed good to carry out their benevolent practices." End of quote. This is what God wants us to be. There are people today who are not rich not because they cannot be rich but because they have been spending and using their wealth not necessarily to accumulate more wealth but spending it on the cause of God. So how can the rich man see God as we look at the topic we have for today? Let God speak further. Do you remember the parable of the unjust steward who was stealing his Lord's goods and how Jesus commended him? This is how to do it, and that is what Zacchaeus did. For the sake of time I will not be able to read that parable, but you can find it in the book of Luke, chapter sixteen, verse one to twelve. The Focus is that in this parable, this man who had made who had been unjust in deal did came to a point where his boss said, I'm going to fire you. Now, what he did was that he said, I don't have anywhere to go to, there's nothing I can do if I'm fired, I cannot work, there's not, I'm just a person who somebody who lacks skills. So, what did he do? He made friends with his boss's um, customers and then. Where so that when he leaves, when his bosses, when his boss sacks him, he will have at least something to do. He will have some people who can give him some money, and that will bless him when he has nothing to do. What was Jesus trying to teach in this lesson? Testimonies, Volume One, Page Five Thirty Eight, Paragraph Three goes on downwards to say, "I was then directed to the parable of the unjust stewards. and here is what it says." If men fail to render to God that which he has lent them to use to his glory and thus rob him, they will make an entire failure. He has lent them means which they can improve upon by losing no opportunity to do good and thus they may be constantly laying up treasure in heaven. Now now remember, let me just take one part in Luke 16 reading from verse 8. After this servant had made friends with his boss the customers of his boss jesus said in verse 8 and his lord was pleased with the four servants because he had been wise for the sons of this world are wiser in their generation than the children of men than the sons of light and then jesus said i say unto you make friends for yourselves through the wealth of this life or through the mammon of unrighteousness so that when you come to an end you may be taken into everlasting resting places what does that mean Jesus was simply saying, Use the money you have made for the work of God. I'm continuing to read it now in Testimonies, Volume 1, page 539. It says, But if, like the man who had one talent, they hide it, fearing that God will get that which their talent gains, they will not only lose the increase which will finally be awarded the faithful servant, but also the principal which God gave them to work. The parable Jesus was telling here, was not saying now that we should go and cheat our bosses. No, what he mean, what he meant by that parable was that this man used the wealth to make friends with who angels of God to cooperate in the work of the gospel, and that was how he was able to lay treasure for himself in heaven. And that's why at the end of the parable, Jesus said that we should make for ourselves true wealth through our money friends and what are the friends we are talking of friends of god in heaven the angels of god and jesus himself so that when it comes to an end so that when jesus comes you may be taken into everlasting resting places that is use the wealth for the cause of god that's simply what jesus is saying i pray that the lord will make us to understand these things you see that there's so much we have to repent of based on what we have studied today and don't even try to palliate the guilt we are guilty many times in these things, some of us think it is a good thing oh i know how to go to the market and i know how to price things and i know how to break it down and take the buy it for the lowest price possible and we pretend when we go to the market and i say what is this it means nothing and then when we buy it for a low price we come back and then we rejoice and say do you know how much i bought this thing and all the other things we've talked about which i may not need to repeat and i pray that the holy spirit is setting it home to your heart god is saying to us divest yourselves of selfishness Testimonies volume 2 page 161 paragraph 2 and make thorough work for eternity. Redeem the past and do not represent the holy truth you profess where you now live as you have where you have lived hitherto. Let your light so shine that others may may, may by seeing your good works may be led to glorify our Father in heaven. Stand upon the elevated platform of eternal truth. Regulate all your business transactions in this life in strict accordance with the word of God." End of quote. That is what we are to do. That is how the rich man can pass through the eye of the needle. And I repeat it again. Restore that which you have robbed. Give to the poor. Use the wealth for the right purposes. And the Lord will open the gates of heaven for us as he opened it for Zacchaeus. Let us pray. Thank you dear Father. For the words spoken to us today as pointed as it has been and I pray Lord help us not to get into the situation of justifying ourselves. Help us Lord to always take the safest course possible. Forgive us for all the times we have been closed and penurious and dickering over the smallest money just to take advantage of others. Forgive us Lord for these things and help us to be true children of God representing Christ properly. I pray Lord for these things in Jesus name amen